Hey, Jordan, you want to hear a fun fact? Uh, sure. Caffeine involved in a coffee bean with some of the greatest antioxidants on the planet. Wow, that's pretty interesting. Let, let, let me cut you off right there. I wasn't done. You see, green tea, another great source of caffeine, evolved with an entirely different set of antioxidants as well. Is this another brain fuel ad? Uh, yeah, it is. Oh, I mean, well, in that case, brain fuel takes the best of both worlds without the roast or heat that may reduce potency and increase toxicity. It support, it's supportive blends of fuels, antioxidants, and brain-boosting additives create a new paradigm for the effective delivery of caffeine. Not to mention, it is the best-tasting drink I've personally had in a while. To support the heroes who push society forward, challenge the status quo, and initiate a better tomorrow by providing them with the fuel to actualize their best self. If you want to help support our podcast and try Brain Fuel, use code DOME for 20% off your order at BrainFuel.com. That's code DOME, all caps, D-O-M-E, at BrainFuel.com, B-R-E-I-N-F-U-E-L.com for 20% off your order. Welcome back to another edition of the Off the Dome podcast. It's good to be back, enjoying my week off, but I am back and I'm uh, ready to do this uh, next interview. I'm here with a very special guest. He played college ball at Wesleyan University and currently is a part of the athletic department for IS for Illinois State University. A guy I met at uh, this alumni weekend at Camp Ojibwa for Boys. Um, legendary hooper sean johnson sean it's an honor for you to join well thank you i appreciate you having me i know we tried to connect last week it's always tough lining up schedules but i'm, I'm thrilled to be here anything anytime i can talk about camp I, I i take the uh the great joy in it so i appreciate you having me uh it's an honor for you to come on the podcast a uh, quick point of order a uh, quick story to tell uh you were in a game and i believe it was 19 all and you Correct. were two and a half point favorites uh, and you needed a three to cover the two and a half. And me and my friends had a lot of money riding on your team that game. And then when you hit the three, it, you were like my hero that day. And, yep. me and, my, and me and my friends were just celebrating like we just won the NBA championship. You yeah, were, You were a two and a half point. I always call you Mr. Two and a half point. Yep. Point five. Cause that, that was just a great. Yeah. There's so many elements to that that side of basketball that you don't expect part of it was you know like you there's always there's 10 people playing on the court or I guess 12 because each team has six but before a game there's probably 40 people on the court and you know it's I was trying to figure out what exactly that was and I learned pretty quickly that there is a sports book associated with it and so um, it, it was funny because like you mentioned Matt like after the game it was just one of those things where like I was just happy we won we were right in the thick of the playoff hunt and it was a big big game whatnot I didn't even factor in the spread and as someone who enjoys that side of sports as well I was pretty happy that I could line your guys' pockets a little bit that's just like it's one of those things that you don't expect it going into it and I was trying to explain to you know to my friends afterwards like about that side of things and what's cool about it and I told the story I was like well technically like you know the gambling I think makes it pretty fun for everybody so I was happy I could help you out no, you you uh, you did me and my friends uh, very yeah. well that day, and that's a lot. So yeah. you're you're always my, uh, my uh, two and a half point cover. Uh, I love that. Here. So uh, now getting uh, before we get into uh, BPS mm -hmm. and how we met, um, 
I want to talk about uh, your career and you start and you play college basketball at Wesleyan yep. University yep. in Ohio, I believe in Ohio, uh, Illinois Wesleyan down here. Yep. Oh, Illinois Wesleyan. Yep. What did you um, what made you want to play college hoops? And when did you start to realize that this is what I this is that I had a chance to make college hoops? When when was that aha moment? Yeah, I um, my my path to college basketball is a little bit different than a lot of people because I was one of those kids that like I was always a good basketball player, but I never really took it seriously, um, and I didn't grow. I mean, I was five three when I was a freshman in high school, and I and I could always shoot it. I played year round with friends, but I was one of those kids that, like I I played every sport, and so I didn't like focus on one. Um, I played my freshman year of high school and kind of just like started to really play well like I can remember I broke my wrist it was the only time I really ever got hurt freshman year of high school when I came back and I think the last like 11 games of the, the freshman year of high school I averaged like 21 a game and it was one of those ones where it was like okay like I shot it really well or whatever you know and I went to Washington high school down here by Peoria um, and we hired when I was a sophomore Kevin Brown was his name he passed away a few summers ago um, Hall of Fame high school basketball coach and he ran it like a college like we the, the day he started we were in the weight room and it was like weight room plyometrics we did scattering we had full scouting reports we had film we had shooting and like he taught me so much about just like how to grow up I mean like I can remember I, I talked but when he passed away it was just like he, he made me cry when I was a sophomore in high school because he was so hard on me one day in practice and I'd never been yelled at like that before and some people go into a shell and it just like flipped a switch for me where I was like okay like this is what this is about now um and I started to grow up that helped you know so I went from 5-3 as a freshman in high school to 6-1 as a junior um and just started taking basketball more seriously. I stopped playing other sports and just started committing to it year round. And um, I, I was like a, a role player as a junior. Um, I started halfway through my junior year. So I didn't even start playing varsity basketball as a starter until Christmas break of my junior high school. Um, but I loved it. I loved the game of basketball. I knew I had an opportunity if I continued to get better. And so I was really fortunate. Um, Kevin Brown was awesome for me. Um, and then senior year kind of all clicked. I spent the entire summer working on different things, getting bigger, getting stronger, getting faster, playing, you know, pick up and here in Bloomington Normal with a bunch of guys that were division one players. I was really fortunate. My high school teammate who I'm very close with, Matt Roth, played at Indiana and was on a really good Indiana elite AAU team. And so there was college coaches in the gym all the time. I mean, he was like a Missouri Valley Big Ten type recruit. And so I was getting a lot of good feedback from him and what I needed to do to get better. And it kind of all clicked. And so my senior high school at Washington, we went 27 and two, we won 25 games in a row we were ranked second in the state when it was one in two a. And so the, the first ranked team in two a was Chicago Simeon with Derek Rose and, and Tim Flowers and those guys, it was Washington, Illinois. And then it was uh, Loyola with uh, Jeff Jordan. And then it was uh, St. Joe's with Demetri McKamey and Evan Turner and those guys. So we just put together a year where I averaged 20 points a game and just, it, it all worked out really well. And so through the year, it was just like, I knew I wanted to play in college and I just didn't know kind of what that looked like for me. And so I was one of those, like I had some division one interest, I had some D2 full rides, some NAIA, and fortunately, Illinois Wesleyan is, it's 45 minutes from where I grew up. It's the winningest Division three program in the country, and I, I, I cared about the high academic side of things. I cared about being close to home, and so it was a perfect fit for me. Um, what, was it to, uh, what was it like playing for sort of your hometown era, hometown in yep. you know, Wesleyan, only 45 minutes away? Uh, walk me through uh, your experience playing college ball, and mm -hmm. what was the best – what were some of the best games you've been a part of? Yeah, um, I was really lucky because I, I started at a time. So I was the first recruit for Ron Rose, who's the, still the head coach at Illinois Western University. And so he was kind of 
turning the program over. And so when I got there, I started every game for four years. Um, and, and he was kind of putting his stamp on things with his players and whatnot. And so it, it was awesome for me because like I said, I was 45 minutes from home. If I needed a break, if it got overwhelming, I joke, my mom makes money all the time, but she did my laundry for four years in, in college. She would come pick it up and take it back. And like, you know, I, I didn't, I, I needed to grow up a little bit, probably not uh, to that extent. Um, but it was perfect. I was close to home. My parents never missed a game. My younger brother is six years younger. He played basketball in high school. So I was at all of his stuff. Um, it, it was just an incredible experience. And at Illinois Wesleyan, uh, it, it is a high academic. And so I, I learned a lot about how to be a student. I, I was a horrendous college student my first two years. Just didn't, and I, I grew up so much there. Um, it's small class sizes. It's, you know, it's things that like that, that draw you to a place like that. And then the basketball is really good. Um, I, I'm really proud of the fact, but when I left, we, we went to a sweet 16, uh, when I was a senior, we went to an elite eight, when I was a junior, um, I left Illinois Wesleyan as the only player in the top 10 in points and assists in his career. And I'm still in the top 10 in scoring at a place that, you know, like I said, it's the winningest division three program, you know, in, in the country. And, the year after I left, they went to a final four and three years later, they went to another one. And I was kind of the foundation of that, for the current head coach. And so it means a lot to me. To me, it's one of those things that like, I took a lot of pride in the college decision I made. I took a lot of pride in the work I put in and I still had my fun in college. Um, but it's a sacrifice to be a student athlete. It is. You're, you're putting in a lot of hours. You're gone a lot. And, uh, you know, for me, it like I have lifelong friendships. Uh, you know, all of my roommates, I, I talked to them today. I talked to most of those guys every single day. Um, you know, best games uh, I can remember. We went on a run when I was a junior to the NCAA tournament. It was kind of like the first time Wesleyan had been back in a few years. Um, we, we played down in St. Louis against uh, a team from Iowa um, Central College. Uh, beat them. I had 24. We beat Washington, Wash U, Washington University in St. Louis is one of the higher academic athletic division three schools in the country. They had won two national championships in a row. Um, I had 24 in that one. They were number one in the country. We beat them in their gym. And then we went to the sweet 16, won that one. I had 26 and we lost in the late eight, but I had 32. Uh, it was cool. probably the best four game run I've ever had. It's just to have it coincide in the NCAA tournament for a place that I feel like Illinois Wesleyan deserves to be there. It was pretty cool. So it was a special experience. I really loved it. I wouldn't trade it for the world. I wouldn't go back and people talk. And I still help with recruiting because I talk to kids. who it's that division one bust uh, mindset. And it's like, I have to go to the highest level. I have to go to the highest level for me. It was about the best fit. I found it. And it was incredible. What were some of the lessons that you learned from your college basketball coach that shaped you into the man you are today? Yeah. Ron Rose, I talk about him all the time, but, um, people who meet him, he's not a, he's not a basketball coach in the traditional sense. And I say that in the way that there's a lot of basketball coaches who are one track minded and it's basketball only Ron Rose was almost the opposite. He was like, you know, a, a parent. And it was like, he never yelled. He didn't swear. There was more, you know, I'm disappointed in this. Here's why we do things this way. You know, he was very big on us as men, you know, being good people, being good family members, being good in the community. And it was way more about accountability and responsibility. And it, to me, it showed me that like I, the guy I played for in high school, I loved Kevin Brown. He was from that Bobby Knight era of coaching where he was gonna be really tough on you. You were going to have mental toughness. Ron Rose taught me more about just, you know, here's how you handle yourself. Here's the way we do things. There was, a, uh, there was a professionalism to it. There was a responsibility to it. And realistically, there was an accountability to it where it, it taught you like, hey, if you don't do what you're supposed to do, it's just, you're not going to get to do the things that you want. You're not going to play if you don't work out. You know, you're not, if you don't get extra shots up, you're not going to get shots in the game. It was, to me, it was just a whole thing, college, where it's like you, I remember the first night I was there, people were like starting to go to bed. And it was like, I don't really have to go to bed. Like, <laughs> 
I can do whatever I want right now. Like I could leave, I could go anywhere. Like I learned so much about, you know, like here's how you schedule your own classes. Like I can still remember like the first time I had to go grocery shopping and it was like, okay, who's going to do this? You know, like, oh, I have to go do it. I, I just learned so much. Like I grew up so much in that four years where it was just like, you kind of learn that like, there's a personal accountability. You can't just get by with people doing things for you. That was the biggest thing I had. And like, I joke about it all the time because there's a difference between where I work now at Illinois State and a division three school. Um, you know, we, we didn't have an academic advisor. We didn't have tutoring. Like if you wanted extra help, you went and found extra help. And I saw people where it's like, hey, if you don't do your stuff, you're just gonna, you're just gonna fail out. Like there's a real life aspect to it that I think that really hit me hard when I was there. That's just, that's amazing. That was that, uh, the uh the what you just told me about your head coach and yeah. what he's installed with you it's man I would love I would have loved to have played for a coach like that yeah and that's like when I was looking for it like I was really lucky because coach Rose went to the high school 10 minutes from me so we had a very similar upbringing so he kind of knew how I ticked and I kind of knew how he did too and we were very similar personality wise uh, and so you know it was like we just it, it's one of those things that like it's natural I think that's I'm sure you have experienced it. And I talked to a lot of the guys at camp, but it's like, you, you look for that in leadership. You look for that in your bosses. You look for that in your mentors. You look for that in your coaches, whatever it may be. Like you want people who kind of understand you as a person. Like I didn't need to be screamed at. I didn't need, you know, to be MF'd and told, you know, like I didn't need that at that point in my life, but I did need someone to hold me accountable and do the things where it's like, you know, I, I didn't want to disappoint him. And I think that relationship still today, I, I talk to coach Rose all the time. We, we still have a great relationship. And I think part of that is just because of the four years we, we grew together there. What made you post-college want to be in part of the athletic department? And why did you choose ISU as this school? And did you ever consider being a part of the athletic department with Wesleyan? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. So Wesleyan doesn't have a grad school. I, um, I, I worked on campus when I was an undergrad. I, was a, I worked in the registrar's office. And I was one of those people, like, I really just loved the, I loved the collegiate feel. I like being on campus. I like the energy. I like their stuff going on. I love being around people. So I was actually looking to get a master's in higher ed admin. And I was just going to go do admissions or registrar or something like that. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. You know, I grew up like most kids in central Illinois. Like I was just a massive Chicago sports fan and did a marketing major. And was like, I'll just work in sports marketing. I'll just go get a job with the Cubs or the Blackhawks or something. Like it's, you know, it wasn't until I was probably 22 years old that I realized that A, everyone in Illinois is saying that B like it's not super easy to do if you don't know what you're doing um so as I was looking at higher ed admin stuff I stumbled upon a sport management master's degree and just started reaching out to people you just in the country just hey you know what can you tell me about this hey can you give me 20 minutes on the phone like I emailed probably every college athletic department in the country about either internships or life advice or career advice or whatever and I stumbled upon a guy named Craig Pintons who's now the AD at Loyola Marymount and he was working at LSU at the time, but he went to Wisconsin Whitewater, which is very similar to Westland. He's like, hey, man, like, I don't have a job for you, but I know your background. I had a similar one. Like, give me a call. He gave me like 90 minutes on the phone, like breaking down. Here's how you get in the industry. Here's what you need to look for. Here's how you interview. Here's the jobs you should be trying to get. And it's just like, I tell him all the time. I ran into him in the final fourth year and told him like, it changed my life. Like, it genuinely helped me so much. Um, so I started applying to grad schools. And it just so happened that at the time, Illinois State had a really good sport management program. I got in here. I got in at LSU, I got in at Illinois, and I got in at Ball State, and something just happened for me here where I got a marketing internship that turned into a graduate assistantship, and so my grad school here was covered by a tuition waiver, and I did sales. I started legitimately in a closet downstairs, what is now our marketing closet that holds all our t-shirts and our inflatables and the mascots and whatnot. I sat down there and made sales calls, um, and I've just stayed. So I've looked at other opportunities. I've wanted to go other places, but 
part of what's kept me here uh, is I genuinely believe in it. I'm from the community. Uh, I think it's a it could be the premier mid-major in the country. We're truly successful. People care about it. What we do, we do at a high level. And I've never found anything from an interview standpoint or job standpoint that I feel like compares to what we're capable of here. So it's just kept me going. I want to talk to you about one of the most pressing issues in college sports yeah. which is NIL yep. and students trying to get recognized for their name image likeness and wanting to get recognized and get paid. What is your take on the NIL? I know some college coaches in NC in hoops and college football are, have very conflicting viewpoints on yeah. it. What are your viewpoints on NIL and do you think it's necessary in your opinion? Um, yeah, I mean, how long do you have for the podcast? Like this could be, a problem, <laughs> you know? like, uh, I, it's overdue. It's necessary. I get it. Um, it's it's tremendously beneficial within the confines of what it was meant to be. Which is, for example, like when I was in college, I couldn't do Sean Johnson shooting camp because I was profiting off of my name as a student athlete. Now, no one cares about the Division three student athlete who's having a, a shooting camp at Normal West High School. You know. Um, that's not fair. That's not right. It's just like the autograph thing with Manziel. Like if Manziel wants to write his name on a helmet, he should make money. If he wants to sell his jersey, he should make money. The interesting thing is because the NCAA waited so long to do anything and then did it all at once that there's basically no rules. And so we're told all the time, like you can't use it for inducement, which means you can't induce a player to come play for you, which in layman's terms means you can't pay a recruit. Now, how many times is that happening right now daily you know like that there's no rules there's no one stopping it there's no enforcement of it and then when it comes down to it you know like the ncaa is not they've washed their hands of it and so the enforcement's done at the conference level or the institution level there's just no real answers right now so we are impacted by it slightly we are one of we are the only mid-major we're the only missouri valley school that has a collective that has two full-time employees dedicated to name image likeness our student athletes have done 130 plus deals in the last three months. Now deals could be, you know, you get gear and you tag them on Instagram. You could do lessons, whatever it may be. Um, so it, it's impacting what we do, but you know, I'll, I'll say right now, like we lost a basketball player to the university of Kentucky and the numbers I've been told he got as a transfer. I mean, we'll never compete with that. Would, like ever that's just like six figures and above, you know? Um, so it's changed the game. It's necessary. I get it. it you, you look at what the Big Ten's making in the TV deal. You know, they just got 90 plus million dollars a year. Those, you know, kids should get something. Now, how does that, the interesting thing is from like the mental health side of things, like how does it, if you're paying a kid, I have a friend that works at TCU and he told me right now, every scholarship player on TCU's basketball team gets $3,000 a month just for being on the basketball team. Now, what happens when that kid gets hurt or doesn't play well or misses a buzzer beater? All of a sudden, you've got this weird dynamic of, grown adults paying players to play well who aren't. And, you know, how does that impact? We talk a lot about mental health now in the college athletics landscape. No one's really addressed it from that standpoint. So I, I think it's needed. I think it was overdue, but I do think it, it has changed the game. Like it is, it, it is one of the only things we talk about at length right now. I mean, it is, it's massive. I, I agree. Uh, my question for you now is, when college athletes are trying to get into your position or any student athletes trying to break into the sports industry, rather, sure. whether it's in being a part of the, of the athletic department at a college or working at a sports marketing company, yeah. what advice would you give anybody that's trying to break into this industry, whether it's in your field or any other field related to sports? Um, 
it's interesting. I was one of those people that like, I didn't do a lot going into it because I was so scared of how I was perceived. You know, like I was that cool guy who was like, ah, I'm not going to do an internship. I want to hang out with my buddies, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like, I think putting yourself out there and getting started early is super important. And I'm sure it's the same in a lot of fields, but it's like, we look all the time. Like we just hired a graduate assistant who has had multiple internships within athletic departments. Like that matters. It does. So you don't realize how advantageous it is to start early and start reaching out to people. Like I, I get reached out to regularly and I tell people all the time, like I mentioned my phone call with Craig earlier, every single time someone reaches out to me for advice, I make sure I make time for it as fast as I can, because I remember how beneficial it was to me you will be shocked at how many people want to help and have had help along the way that will do the same for other people. So that's what I'd say. The biggest thing is just like, you have to go get it. You have to be aggressive about it. You have to like be very intentional and you have to not be afraid to put yourself out there. Um, it, that's the biggest thing. Like for me, like I said, we have, in, like I tell people, every, every single person I meet that's an undergrad that asks me about my career, I tell them, do you want an internship? Like I'm dead serious. We have a desk. Like we can put you out here for 10 hours a week and you can learn and you can help and you can do, it might not be glamorous. You might be making phone calls to donors who are mad. You might be taking payments. You might be writing credit card numbers down. You might be typing parking data into Excel, but you'll be in here and you'll learn how a college athletic department runs. Even if you don't like it, you're going to know, you know? So that's the biggest thing I would say is just like, if you want to get into it, it's not overly daunting. You just have to do it for the right reasons. You know, I joke all the time, but it's like, you know, I, people throw the eighties salary around, but I'm telling you right now, like, sitting in this office at Illinois State. It's not like I'm breaking the bank. I do it because I love it and I'm passionate about it. You know, we have, I'm going to be in Madison, Wisconsin this weekend. I'm going to be on the field watching us play Wisconsin football. You know, to me, you can't put a price on that. I, I think that's cooler than any job you could possibly have in the world. So that's, you know, I wake up every day and I'm excited about it. And that's, I, I know people can't say that about theirs. Um, so it's a trade-off, but you have to do it because you want to do it and because you love it. I am relegated to ask you this question yeah. because I met you uh, at alumni weekend. And it was great meeting you, Mr. 2.5. I'm going to, uh, I'll stop calling. Yes, please. That. Yeah. Um, but what, uh, how did you hear about uh, BPS and what made you want to uh, join uh, BPS? And what was your takeaway from this whole experience, this amazing yeah. camp that I've enjoyed going to for 11 years? Um, yeah. So in, in my role at, at Illinois State, I, I started doing sales and that kind of morphed into revenue generation, which as I'm sure everyone knows, like fundraising is so critical to what we do. So I worked for Aaron Leach and I worked for Matt Lyons and I came up doing fundraising. So I oversaw like our annual fund, our, I was a director of development, you know, I've just steadily grown in my role here as fundraising. Um, Danny Barnett was a quarterback at Illinois State. Um, I think what early nineties he was. Um, I met Danny probably eight to 10 years ago in, in this role, you know, as he got re-engaged with Illinois state, he's an alum and he's super proud of it and passionate about it. And we've just clicked. He and I, as I'm sure you guys saw at camp are, we're close. We're very similar. We have similar upbringings. We get along really well. And so I've been fortunate to spend a lot of time with Danny over the years in my career at Illinois state. And every time I've gotten together with him, he talks about, you know, I, I tell him we would joke, but it's like, we would meet for dinner and we'd both be limping and be like, Oh, like, <laughs> But, you know, and he'd be like, oh, I was biking 50, 60 miles a week just to see if I could. And I'd be like, yeah, I'm trying to run a mile as fast as I can right now. You know, and we, we, we just are wired in the same way. And he'd be like, man, I do this camp every summer. Like, you would love it, you know, because he knows I played. Um, I still play. Like I said, I play in like a league in town on Monday nights. I play pick up at 6 a.m. Like, I'm just still love the game. I think it's a great uh, it's a great connector of people. You know, I think as adults, there's not a lot of things that 
grown men get to do to get together and like it's relaxing but it's competitive but it's fun and you care about each other and like I think the game of basketball itself is so critical to that um and so Danny used to tell me all the time he'd be like dude you gotta go like you don't get it you it's prison rules but it's so fun and you get injured but guys love it and but you know like I so this this past fall before the um the summer camp he had told me like hey I, I think I can get you in I think get you a spot because you know like Matt, like it's pretty, it's pretty hard to go. Like people don't want to give up their spots. And if you give up your spot late, it's really frowned upon. Right. Um, You know, DJ takes it pretty seriously. And so, you know, I got probably a month or two before camp. Danny was like, Hey, I I got you a spot. You're good to go. Um, So Danny Barnett was kind of my connection to camp. He's been telling me about it for years. Uh, I was really excited about it. And so I, I, uh, I got the invite this year, made the trip up North and, um, it, it was unlike anything I've ever experienced in the, in the best way possible. I mean, like, I, it's funny. I was telling people afterwards, but like when I was describing what it was and what happened up there and all that stuff, people were like, it sounds like it was made for you. Like it really does. Um, and so like tremendously positive overall, I, I joked, but like Danny was my connection to it. I knew zero other people. And I don't think I talked to Danny outside of the basketball because he, he was doing his own thing and I was doing my own thing and I didn't want him to dote on me. And every single person there was so friendly and so nice and so welcoming and asked me every possible question about myself to get to know me where I left there with such genuine friendships that it was like the basketball was second nature really, which is crazy because it's such a big part of the weekend. Um, so my basketball takeaways are probably different than my overall camp takeaways, but it's just one of those things where it's like, I can see why people take such pride in it. I can see why people like doing it. I can see why people care about it just like, it's a great time. It's a great time for people to connect. It's people care about each other. People care about the place. Like it was very cool as an outsider to be included. Like I, it genuinely meant a lot to me that people were so welcoming because it is such a cool thing that is exclusive that it it was really like, it opened my eyes to a whole different side of things. It was just like, it was very cool. I was glad. I'm glad that I got to meet you at BPS and uh, I hope you're back next year. It, it's a, uh, it was a pleasure meeting. And yeah, I've told people, like I, I told everybody when they, at the end of it, when it kind of wrapped up, you're like, Oh, do you think you'll come back? But I was like, I'll come, I'll come every single year until I'm not invited. And like, it was that fun. The wow. basketball, the basketball takeaways are a little bit different. It was as physically taxing as anything I think I've ever done. That, that, that's incredible to hear. And yeah, uh, you were great on the trip. You yeah. were, you were great on and off the court. It was, it was a pleasure having you. Yeah, I loved it. Loved every second of it. I'm already excited for next year. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. I, I uh, hope you can uh, cover uh, some more spreads. I, that's the goal. You know, I, I said, like, I went into it this year not really knowing about the basketball side of things. It probably wasn't playing as often as I, I should have or would have. Like, still work out regularly. But, like, I tell you what, like, eight basketball games in two days where you're getting fouled 40 or 50 times is a whole different level of basketball than, you know, running on the treadmill doesn't really – prep you for that. So I talked to, I talked to Houseman quite a bit about it and, you know, it, it was, it was very cool. And I think I'll be more ready next year. Glad to hear it. Uh, Sean Johnson, thank you so much for joining the off the dome podcast. And I um, look forward to keep staying in touch with you soon and um, a good luck to ISU. Uh, oh, no, appreciate the invite. Thank you. Anytime. Thank you guys for listening to another edition of the off the dome podcast. Have a great day and great night. Go get them.